Hello, my name is Father Jacob, creator and founder of Region Catholic. Region Catholic is a platform used to teach the Catholic faith with the flavor of Northwest Indiana, also known as the Region. If you like this content, then like, comment, or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And better yet, share this, regioncatholic.com, with a friend. If you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon page, found at regioncatholic.com, where you can support us at three levels, get shoutouts on our podcasts, or get your hands on exclusive merchandise. Thank you for your support, enjoy the podcast, and God bless you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chosen the Podcast. My name is Adam Antone, and I am joined by Father Jacob, and we are here to begin our series in earnest about the different spiritualities of the church to present a, how do you say that word, smorgasbord? Smorgasbord is a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compendium is more like Latinized and like sounds neater, yeah. but this will be the last thing that's ever said on all the spiritualities of the church, right? This is it. Buffet. Oh, buffet. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. There you go. Hey. You can take a little bit of everything from these different spiritualities. But um, yeah, so the first presentation um, we're going to be uh, sharing in this episode. But before we jump into it, Father, what one of the questions that I heard a lot growing up, not as much now because I'm not presently in school, but um, was what type of learner are you? Mm-hmm. So, and you hear this a lot, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a visual learner. I need to see it. I need to... You know, that you kind of see this with the launch of YouTube, right? People are looking up videos for everything. Well, how yeah. did you fix your sync? Well, I looked it up on YouTube, right? I'm a visual learner. Or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, um, people are like, oh, I listen to this uh, podcast or I read this, but whatever. So what, yeah, what, yeah. what is your experience for yourself? Yeah, well, I picked up really quick, like, those three classical learning styles, uh, visual, auditory, and kinetic, like, doing and, like, more, like, palpable things, mm-hmm. like, with your hands, you know, kind of stuff, like, I learned very quickly that kinetic learning was not going to be very helpful for me Okay. because I fell off of my uh, sibling's skateboards or whenever I would do anything related to that, I'd get hurt. Um, I broke my wrist on one of those wheelie razor scooters. Yeah, I'd say that that's probably not your, your mode of... Yeah, yeah, so just never really worked out well. So in terms of as I got into school, it would be more visual okay. like, and that kind of would tie into more of like reading... Um, more like graphical visual like tools or that was kind of how I picked up more easily on math mm-hmm. was as I became able to conceptualize it in like a coordinate plane that I was able to pick it up a little more easily mm-hmm. rather than just like, you know, trying to, um, there's a big movement right now within math education to do like tangible, like number cubes and counting. And really? I never, yeah, I never really got into that very much. Yeah, that was hard. That's strange. I had not heard that. Yeah. Yeah, we were, like, right on the cusp of it. We just missed okay. it, like, with our ages. Huh. Like, they just brought it into the Michigan City area school system, for example, when I was in uh, middle school. Hmm. And it just, I like, I just missed almost entirely. But yeah. now it's, like, the new thing. Like, anyway, anyway, so long and the short of it, probably more, like, visual, some auditory with listening now. What, uh, what has been your experience in your life of learning? What do you think? Yeah, I'd say the same. Uh, visual and an auditory probably probably more auditory like i really enjoy listening to podcasts and mm-hmm. one of the things that i've noticed so have you ever um you know been i don't know driving in a car listening to podcast or radio show 
and then you get to your destination, you turn the car off, so the podcast pauses. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you get out, you do whatever you need to do, whatever you need to do, get back into the car, and then I've had it to where, like, the app closes it out, so I have to go back to that episode and try to find where I was oh, in okay. the episode. Yeah, yeah. And what I notice is, um, as I'm, like, fast-forwarding to try to find where I was, I can... Well, first off, tell all the, like, I, we already heard this, like, I already learned this. And and I can visualize where I was on the road when I heard that part of the podcast. Wow. So, like. Okay. Yeah. Like, okay. Um, We're getting closer to where I, where I left off because I was turning on this street right before I got to the house. You know, like. Wow. It, so, like, it's, it's, uh. I think that the auditory is, is a big way that I'm able to associate with memory. but um, Well, and then spatially, too, that you've associated that listening sequence with a spatial reality of, like, operating the car and where it was. Yeah, it's yeah, it's weird. That's but, um, It's one of the huge strengths of, like, paper books. It's kind of what's advocated. Mm-hmm. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I have a Kindle with, like, 140 books. I don't read paper books. But if I were to, like, you know, kind of, uh, you know, remind myself of what is said often of paper books, like, that... The strength of them is that the weight of the book in your hand, the smell of it, and then the location on the page as you turn the pages helps associate and like build the memory for like reading comprehension See, and like retention. I almost entirely read paper books. Like I, I don't, I have a Kindle, but I it's hard for me to, to read with that. Yeah, my my uh, rebuttal to a lot of that research is that as your eyes get tired from moving, like physically, like moving on the page, mm-hmm. that. Uh, you get more tired and your comprehension actually fades. Interesting. And so if there's a thing called word runner where it places the words in the same place on the screen and then cycles through those words for oh, you. That's cool. Um, so that's a tool I've used like that. I really developed in seminary hmm. as we were asked to read like hundreds of pages of and documents. Copious amounts of theology. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, and particularly it wasn't, the, the 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 philosophy of theology i enjoyed it tremendously like uh, tremendously but um tremendously immensely and tremendously together new nice. words um webster but, yeah nice here you heard it here on the podcast but uh um what I, what was hard to just the time was like reading the catechism and then reading the documents of the church like very important things for us to learn and like read um really anyone right but just the length of some of it i mean you're just like dozens and dozens of pages and it's not super dense reading like mm-hmm. whether it's like council of trent vatican II, like it's 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 kind of like cyclic in a pattern that you get with it um and so it's not necessarily hard reading but at the same time there's the reality that there's just time and length or enter into the factor of the conversation so it was always just a little bit more easy you know when you are reading when you are doing these things to use the word runner long and the short of it. Yeah. But yeah. Um, uh, you might be wondering why are we talking about this? And the reason is because uh, we're the, going to be selling new uh, <laughs> software licenses for the word runner app. No, yeah, no, not exactly. <laughs> but um, we are talking about the Dominican spirituality today, which is kind of neat because father, you spent time with the Dominican order. I did. So right after I graduated college from IEPUI, Go Jags, uh, in May of 2014, then I entered into uh, Dominican religious life formation. So um, I intended to uh, like pursue ordination to the priesthood in the context of Dominican life. And 
spent about seven months, I think I say, six months. Um, there was a period of time where we were in something called the pre-novitiate. Okay. Where it was like, it's kind of funny because some communities, like pre-novitiate's like two years or a mm-hmm. year. Pre-novitiate for us was two weeks. Wow. Two and a half weeks. Um, Let's get you going. Yeah, just right in. Yeah. And uh, we for that period of time, we were asked to wear a white button-up shirt and black pants, you know, white and black, the colors of the Dominican order. Mm-hmm. And uh, we learned how to chant. We learned how to pray. Um, we learned how to live in community. And it was just kind of like, basically, they described that orientation as like, so you just didn't walk into a community and just fall flat. Like, mm-hmm. wait, like, what are you guys, you know, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> like, right. So they at least taught us the customs of like, how our particular province and order like prayed at mass, the chant nodes they used to pray the hours and like what a typical day could be like and look like and get accustomed to that. So that was kind of the tool. Yeah. So in a brief snapshot in I don't know, two minutes or less. Yeah. The life of the founder, Dominic. Yeah. What are yeah. your thoughts on that? Well, he came from a like lower nobility family. Okay. Um, Jane and Felix, I believe were his parents named. Um, I believe his mom was canonized a saint, but don't mm-hmm. quote me on that. But anyway, um, they came from a portion of Spain, lower nobility. Uh, Dominic, in his upbringing, um, I think I think I remember uh, in one biography of him that he excelled like academically mm-hmm. um, and intellectually. And then ultimately that transferred into a life dedicated to the church as a canon regular at the cathedral in his diocese where he lived, where he would have lived like in community to a particular rule of life, uh, but that, that in his case, the rule of St. Augustine. And then eventually he pursued um, for founding a new order because he found in his travels with the bishop of his diocese that he did various trips with that there was a pervasive heresy in that portion of Europe, particularly southern France, of a heresy called Albigensianism. And just as a pause, a heresy is a, a false teaching. Yeah. Of- yeah, no, exactly. Attempted false teaching of the church. So yeah. they were spreading lies. Correct. So presenting like um, that, basically what they presented, Albigensians, and um, it's come as it's it's come up over and over again in the centuries of the church. Like it goes back to Augustine and Manichaeism. There's mm-hmm. elements of this here, like dualism. Like there's like a false like sense of like good God, bad God kind of thing going on. Like whether it's developed as two gods, I don't think was a feature of Albigensianism, mm-hmm. but. What that meant for them as Albigensians was that the spirit was good mm-hmm. and the body was evil. And what it resulted in was people not like living like a normal married life in their marriage, like recanting like marital relations mm-hmm. in the context of their marriage because that was evil. They would fast. They would do these extreme penances. And so it was just this really false sense of what it meant to be human. Yeah. Um, and Dominic saw that was inspired to teach and preach to the heretics, to the people that were believing that false gospel to bring them back to the truth of the fullness of the church. What made him credible? Ah, yeah, that's actually a decent feature to mention is that, um, the early like Dominicans, um, like his credibility was enhanced because the Albigensians preachers were themselves like voluntarily renounced wealth. Mm-hmm. And so Dominic saw mendicant life and you know, like Francis and Dominic are like parallels to each mm-hmm. other and they're founding roughly the same time. There's kind of like lore and legend that they met. Yeah. I, um, I mean, buzzkills would say they didn't, but sure. I think it, the paintings of it are really, are really interesting cool. to think about. Yeah. yeah. Like 
that there's a story that they would have exchanged like cinctures. So like typical cincture of a Franciscan, typical cincture of a Dominican on their habit mm-hmm. was opposite of what they are now because the founders exchanged them to each other. Interesting. So like that's a story. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Franciscans would like, uh, you know, saying that he, Francis didn't come up with the rope or, you know, kind of thing. Right. But anyway, yeah. anyway, um, but uh, just kind of a feature of his story. But so the secular clergy of the time were particularly known for their wealth mm-hmm. and particularly known for how far removed they were from like the urban poor. And so that that made a space then because the religious clergy, like particularly the monks of the time, were more localized to rural areas outside of the city where they had control in monasteries. Mm-hmm. So it kind of left this segment of the population of the urban poor to be taken over by this heresy. Enter Dominic and his early brothers after approval from the Pope at that time, Innocent III, kind of give leeway to this new life, like this new community, this new mendicant style okay. where they would beg. That was kind of the feature of it, but all for the sake of the mission. Nice. Yeah. So just kind of that snapshot. Hopefully, I did them proud. If any of them listen to this, I'm sure, I don't know. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that you did. Honestly, what struck me as you were laying out, uh, kind of painting that backdrop for the life of Dominic, you know, the Albigens. How do you say that? Albigensian. Albigensianism. Yeah. Nice. Albigensians. Albigensianism. This really rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, they kind of emphasized the spiritual and pushed aside the physical yeah and it's almost the inversion of what we experience today yeah you know Mm -hmm. they emphasize the physical Mm -hmm. like our culture tends to emphasize the material and push aside the spiritual yeah Um, and so you know dominic was prompted to to bear witness to the wholeness of humanity both in the spiritual and the physical and i think we're still called to do the same today just with different emphasis. So, amen, amen. So, yeah. what would you say are some of the core tenets, or at least tenets that would be worthwhile yeah. for our listeners to know mm-hmm. about Dominican spirituality? Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning again, like as you mentioned in the last episode about spirituality, that how we talk about the spirituality and like how we would describe it might be totally distinct from how. Like someone else or another adherent or like another person living the spirituality might describe it because they are living it. But I think it'd be reasonable though to say, in my estimation, that the Dominican life is captured or encapsulated by preaching, by study, and then the relationship between the active life and the contemplative life, which kind of made for a nice little bridge for our conversation at the beginning of the podcast, like in the theme of study. Right. Um, one of the uh, early quotes, like it's one of the unique things of Dominic, mm-hmm. is that we almost know nothing of what he said. Like none of his preaching has ever been recorded. Like at least to my knowledge of reading about him, like we don't have homilies of what he said. Um, where on the other hand, with Francis, there's like prolific amount of what he said and what he wrote and what he did. Um, so it's kind of uh one of the the classic like Jess that a Dominican would offer a Franciscan is to say like um, Franciscans is like more about how to be more and more like Francis of like poverty or these disputes or, you know, like personality cult of Francis. Mm -hmm. And then the Dominicans would be like, we have this more pure, you know, whole thing with Dominic and like, we don't know as much about him, which actually aided the mission of the order. Interesting. Um, 
So it is kind of like a funny thing and kind of like a joke whenever you'd interact with a Franciscan um, in the the brief time of Dominican life I had or just hearing stories secondhand, you know, from uh, now Franciscans like in our diocese about when they find out I was in Dominicans, you know. Um, but that's kind of the funny thing. Like we don't, but one thing we do know to say all that, one thing we do know about what Dominic could have said was always study, Mm. always study. Like one quote that we have from him, we're almost sure that he said always study. Yeah. (laughs) I think to, to offer the listeners just a little uh, snapshot, like you're talking about, um, contemplative Mm -hmm. and active. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, you know, religious life, spirituality, like, so for example, the Franciscan order yeah. would be active. Correct. They're in the world. They are um, pursuing works mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. communicate the gospel. Yeah. Uh, contemplative would be what, like Carmelite or, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, Carthusian, especially like the Trappist type sure. of sure. spirituality where they are apart from the world mm-hmm. and service the church by means of their spiritual works and their prayer well and it's worth saying too that i mean there's even further distinctions that we can make and talk about like you know there are four carmelites that live on the property here at saint michael's but they are very much actively in the world so it's just worth saying like and even in the dominican life like there are active sisters you know like the um dominican sisters of nashville Mm -hmm. um or like ann arbor or like what have you, numerous different communities of Dominicans that are active. But then there are also contemplative cloistered. So I think that's what I could say is like um, contemplative life is characterized, strictly contemplative life is characterized by a cloister, mm-hmm. meaning cloister mean like the people wouldn't leave that right. place. Like you think of like interior gardens, like, you know, St. Therese, like mm-hmm. you won't leave the, the compound, you don't leave the convent kind of thing. Well, Bishop Rute Seminary, where I, where I attended, it was a former cloistered Carmelite monastery. Yeah, the castle, right? The castle. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I, I guess like as you lay those elements out, study mm-hmm. and um, preaching and the relationship between active and contemplative. Yeah. Like for our listeners, kind of hold those, th- those three items in your mind. Yeah. Um, you know, study, preaching and active uh, and contemplative. So... Um, because you know the Dominicans, they were they're the the OPs, right? The Order of Preachers. Order of Preachers, yeah. And I'm gonna, I'd, it's a Latin Ordoro Practicorum. I'm probably gonna said that wrong. That's a another. If they listen to this, they're all gonna laugh at me. Yeah, you know, no, my line Latin right. is not strong. But uh, but yeah, I mean Order of Preachers. So, but that was like a a unique feature of the life of Dominic was that he, whereas like a Franciscan poverty, when you live out like poverty, chastity, obedience would be characterized by, like, a radical poverty and, like, um, rejection of the world. And, I mean, I probably shouldn't even say that, right? They probably wouldn't say that. I don't want to mischaracterize it. Mm -hmm. But what I would think in my mind as, like, that. But um, kind of, like, for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the mission. But um, there's a reality of Dominic where he um, is reportedly to have encouraged the early followers of his way, of his life, um, to only bring their scriptures and, like, books to, like, study with which would have been notably like expensive for that time. So it's just worth saying like in any context of money, like it's not necessarily that things are expensive or not, or like things are nice or not. It's about what we're using them for and like how we're using them for the mission of our lives. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of characterized of the Dominican spirituality or really any spirituality. Right. 
Yeah, but, yeah. I think I think there is a very important relationship between knowledge and action. Yeah. So like um in our culture today, I think that uh, how can I put this? I think in even in public discourse, yeah. political discourse, you might have um a cheerleader like a big uh, vocal um proponent of a particular um, yeah, I don't know, mm-hmm. like stance or, or like like all all bark and like yeah. not necessarily like a rational. They don't like bite they, or something. They don't, yeah. yeah, they don't yeah. know um, who is. I was talking to somebody like a couple months ago, and they said, you know, they were a little older. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, you know, you you young kids today type of thing. And I was yeah. just like, yeah, well, yeah. What do you mean? And they're like, yeah, you young kids today, all the uh, all the excitement, none of the brains. And I was like, wow, okay. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> and they were like, you know, what they were talking about was just, I mean, I think that it has the potential of being a tremendous blessing for young people today. There's such a vibrant activism. Like, yeah. there's such a, mm-hmm. I see the world and I see, like, challenges at work in it and I want to do something to address it. Um, but what this person was saying was like, yeah, that's a really good thing. But you need to know it beyond the surface level to actually get to the root of what the problems are. Um and so jumping into activism, or if you want to say like the preaching element, yeah. without first mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. the study, yeah, or yeah. like yeah. The coming to know, yeah, is not effective. And that's kind of what that third thing that we talked about with like act- active contemplative life is what ties together um, the necessity of like study and preaching, so that you have to have both intention with each other to be authentically like living the Dominican charism. But with the active life and and contemplative life, too, like that was the unique feature of Dominic was that he was founding a religious community like that was going to be well read and well prayed. But then they are not going to stay within the cloister of the walls of the monastery, but they're going to use those tools to go out to the people of their time and like preach to them, absolve their sins, like bring them back to the church. So that was kind of like the unique feature. And then in order to be detached from like the walls of the monastery be detached from the allure of the secular clergy, like the diocesan clergy with wealth that they had accumulated. Like there was going to be a renouncing of that wealth for the sake of the mission. So that's kind of like the perfect storm of like what it means to encapsulate a Dominican spirituality. Um, So I guess kind of thinking like too, it's worth mentioning, you know, we happen to be recording um, on his feast day, but this will come out later. Right. But, um, like the biggest fruits of the order, like we can talk about many Dominican saints, but one of my own personal favorite, Thomas Aquinas. And I think you see um, the features of study, the features of preaching, and then that balance between active and contemplative life seen in him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what's, uh, what are some of the stories or what are some of the lore that uh, you picked up in your time of uh, Thomas? What do you think? I think what immediately came to my mind when you said that mm-hmm. was the classic story of Thomas. Um, you know, he would put his head against the tabernacle sometimes like yeah. in prayer mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. trying to, to contemplate and think about what he was going to write. But he hit a point where he, he ended up after, a, I don't know if it was a time at mass or a period of prayer, but he said that like all that he had written, which is, probably the most comprehensive than any other saint in the life of the church. Incredible. Like, I mean, thousands of words, thousands of pages. Yeah. 
like he would keep sc- multiple scribes busy on exactly. multiple different projects. Yeah. I mean, this is like incredible, like what he contributed. Anyway, to give that context, keep going. Yeah, and I think it was it was an experience with the Eucharist, but he like said all like all that I've written is is straw. Yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's, and I I like that because I think that intellect knowing facts mm-hmm. if it's disconnected from the person of Jesus Christ yeah it's straw it's nothing yep mm-hmm. um but and and Thomas realized had that statement after a moment of prayer in relationship to Jesus Christ at the same time it's not straw it's it's tremendous like oh yeah like given, yeah. given yeah. the magnitude of the mystery of God but so um so I think that's that's something to keep in mind is like on the one hand, sometimes people say, well, it's, you know, it's about relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, you know, apologetics and like knowing the faith is, you know, it's not really as important. And it's like, well, you're, you're right. Apart from relationship with Jesus Christ, um, it's straw. Mm -hmm. At the same time, sacred scripture is very clear in the letter of St. Peter that to always be prepared to give an account, uh, for your hope, for your reason of hope. Yeah. So, um, so if you're listening to this podcast and you've ever found yourself saying, you know, I just kind of, um, I think when you were describing the life of Dominic, you were saying like he didn't want these friars gaining this knowledge and then staying behind the walls of the cloister. He right. wanted them to go out. If you've found yourself staying behind the walls of statements like, I don't know the faith well enough to be able to communicate it, or mm-hmm, I don't know mm-hmm, the faith well mm-hmm. enough to defend it, knock the wall down. Pick a book, uh, choose a book of scripture, choose a podcast, and start chipping away at the wall. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. like it's. I think that the Dominican spirituality points us to there is not an excuse to not know the faith, and we don't know the faith just for the sake of knowledge. We know it in order to love it, and then to be able to communicate it, to preach it in a more effective way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's a statement um, that I think gets thrown around in what it kind of made me think of was that um, the like three religions, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, they're people of the book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I've come through and talked with different priests or different scripture scholars, like it couldn't be more wrong. Like, because the reality is, is that in our Christian life, like the scriptures is certainly essential and important, but like they are not for the sake of themselves, but mm-hmm. rather they're for the, the word like the word capital W, like the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, personal relationship with him and his church. Like that's the fullness of what like the church has to offer is because it offers Jesus Christ. That's the preaching. That's everything, the mission. Like, so if anything that we do is disconnected from that, then it's nothing like in that sense, it would be straw, you know, yeah, it would be yeah. nothing. Um, But truly like what his life showed and what he did and there's another story as well um of thomas where um there's this vision that he has before the crucifix and he asks he uh the uh, the lord says to him like thomas i've given you i've given you great gifts like like what else do you want and he says only you lord Mm. only you and it just brings it into perspective like this guy was a genius Mm -hmm. like he studied in the in the at that time the world's best universities. He had the best teachers. He had the best tutors, um, like the academic prowess that he had. But he still knew 
in his heart at the core of who he was that it was going to have to be about Jesus Christ. Yep. And that's what made him a saint. I mean, that he held all of that intention. One thing, too, that was worth mentioning about him that we talked a little bit about before was his willingness to explore like other thought, other theology, other philosophies. So, I mean, to say what I said about the people of the book, like that's not to say that we shouldn't know or understand or read about what those other people, like whether they be Judaism or Islam as well, to like read and for any matter, any other uh, faith in our Catholic faith to actually know and learn about what they're believing or learning or their philosophy as well. Well, I mean, Thomas was persecuted for a while, even within the context of the church, because he, he, you know, whatever you want to say, he read the, you know, the Greeks and he looked at Maimonides and he looked at Averroes from, Mm -hmm. you know, this. Maimonides being a Jew, Averroes being Muslim. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, his citing them Mm -hmm. was kind of like, uh, it was, you know, impure theology or whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to say. So, you know, I'm thinking about that and I'm thinking, all right, for our listeners, um, you know, you ever see those things on social media where people are like, you might be a whatever if mm-hmm. fill in the blank. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to think of it in light of like, you might be a person who gravitates or would really appreciate the Dominican spirituality if mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. you know, fill in the blank. Um, so part of part of what I'm th- thinking right now is like, you might be a person drawn to the Dominican spirituality if you appreciate and are open to different or, or new ideas. Mm-hmm. But the key is that you're still grounded in truth, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. um, but what, when you think about it through that lens, father, like, how would you, what would you say? Like for our listeners, you might be, you might find fruit in mm-hmm. Dominican spirituality if you blank, like what type of sure. attributes, I guess. Sure. Well, and I think, I think it definitely would be more for the people. Sometimes people experience like an emotive conversion mm-hmm. or like a, um, you know, a conversion related, related to experiencing mass or that guy may be an experience in prayer or like, like I said, like an emotive sense of like a uh, feeling that you receive. But I think for anyone that's drawn to or has maybe experienced more of an intellectual reality, mm-hmm. intellectual conversion where they have like read their way into a corner where they have to acknowledge like that the truth is Jesus Christ in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, or for some people, even before that, like the truth is that God is rather than he is not. Um, I think that's where a lot of people might find themselves drawn to a Dominican reality. Um, I think another component of it too is I think just being drawn to the sense of a desire to receive knowledge and as you uncork or open up that knowledge, then that's going to be feeding into your life of prayer. Um, so there's a classic image of a Dominican at prayer, and he has um, the hood, like the capoose up of uh, the hood portion of the habit on his head. And he's has this gigantic like book open in front of him, mm-hmm. but he's in like the chapel in front of the tabernacle. So there's like this constant uh, tension between like the study, the learning, for the sake of relationship, and then back and forth, back and forth. Um, I'd be remiss without saying, too, that uh, like uh, our history would teach us and our story of the saints would teach us that Dominic received the rosary. Mm-hmm. So now it's kind of like a, a staple of the church in terms of Marian devotion. Um, but it kind of reflects more, too, on like that meditation on the mystery, reading about the mystery, learning about the mystery, 
finding it in scripture, finding portions of theology about it, and then taking that into meditating on it, um, you know, and, and really thinking and praying with that mystery, with those things that you've learned. So yeah. always, always that think of learning, that sense of studying, um, and then for the sake of like feeding one's life of prayer, I think that would kind of be a characteristic uh, Dominican reality for sure. Okay. Yeah. And um, so, so really, if you are excited by you know the intellectual dimension of the church, if you're drawn to um, you know reading different theological works, or maybe even an element too of apologetics, that was yeah. a huge thing with with Dominican life, like in the early order, like bringing people back into the faith through oratory, through preaching, through conversation, through relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge portion, I think, too, of the reality of who Dominic was. And, so. the, and the the truth is that, again, for some of you listening, you're like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, I do love reading about the faith and I do love being able to articulate it. And I experience a closeness to Jesus Christ when I do those things. You know, yeah. they're not peripheral to my faith. They uh-huh. are, uh-huh. you know, a re- they give me life. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, well, this, this sounds like a potential spirituality for you. However, if you are saying like, I get a little intimidated at the thought of defending the faith or talking about it or, mm-hmm. you know, it may not be your spirituality, but those those are still things that we are called to. Yes. Yeah. You know, however you want to phrase it, dip your toe in, yeah. you know, so. so it, it's just worth saying too, like any spirituality of the church is going to borrow from other ones, mm-hmm. depending on when it came up, the chronology, the history, the story. Right. Especially later ones will draw on earlier ones. So this is one of like from the middle of the history of the church. So, I mean, you're going to hear things reminiscent when we talk about earlier spiritualities that developed in the earlier church. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to hear things that are drawing from Dominican spirituality and those earlier ones. We talk about later ones. Like none of this formulates in a vacuum. None of this is truly unique right. in a certain way. You sure. know, like active life, contemplative life was not invented by Dominic. Yeah, or like exactly. Preaching was not invented by Dominic or studying the faith, but the unique historical circumstances that he developed the order lends itself, I think, to the spiritual lens of Dominican life. Yeah. And that's kind of the unique portion that people can be drawn to. Yeah. Plus maybe you like, uh, you know, wearing a Dominican habit. That's right. They're pretty cool. So all white, even if you're in the third or third order Dominicans meeting you're a lay person, you are then eligible to be buried in habit. So there you go. Really? Yeah. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. Most often it's characterized by a scapular, like mm. like what we think of as a scapular, like the little piece of fabric on like a loop that you wear on your neck with like a square on the front and the square in the back, just a miniaturized version of like the bigger scapular that religious mm. wear. So, but uh, there are like shorter scapulars that would go down to like midriff of the person that are just shorter that like lay people might wear in like meetings or functions or that oh, kind wow. of thing. Yeah. So there's a whole nother element to explore with uh, third order Dominican life. First order being the friars, second order being the contemplative sisters, third order being the lay people. And obviously that system was developed when there are no active sisters. So you can see like the history and it's dated. Sure. You know, because like where are the active sisters in first, second, third, like kind of second, but they don't really fit into that history because mm-hmm. they came later. So anyway, when that system was developed. Yeah. So, but uh, what do you think then? We uh, leave uh, Thomas on his feast day and Dominic there and give uh spiritual you know that hopefully our listeners have enjoyed listening to you know that dominican uh perspective that dominican spirituality you know having lived it myself this might be something that's easier uh you know to talk about in this podcast but next time we will have the chance to 
interview uh, one who is living the Dominican life in a very real way. And so we will save that person for next time and that interview for next time. So until then, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, our website at regioncatholic.com. Maybe recommend to your friends or share it with others that might not have heard before. Until then, God bless and have a good one. God bless.